Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We want to thank you for stopping into the Housing Hour with us. Hope you have your coffee and you guys are settled in, and we appreciate you starting your weekend off with us. Um, We have a great show lined up for you today, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I do want to tell you how to plug in with the Housing Hour. You can go to Facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. You can find us on Twitter at The Housing Hour. Um, You can also, if you'd like, you can um, go to the mothership, the treasure trove, thehousinghour.com. So you can find us in any of those places. You can find me as well. I have a new website that I announced last week, kevinray.com. What'd you think of it, Mark? Oh, that was awesome. You like a it? lot of photographs. Yeah. It looks like quality uh, gallery type of presentation of your yeah. photos. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you can find the Housing Hour link to that Mortgage Investors Group, the um, St. Jude uh, Classic that we'll be doing in September. Um, you can also find my Jisco Vols website all in one place. So if ours is the mothership, then this is the universe, if you will, of information. So if you're interested or not interested, maybe you want to find some place to criticize me, you could probably find it at KevinRay.com. That's a place to go. And you're all over the place. So there's plenty of opportunities. <laughs> that's right. A lot of criticism. That's fine. I'll take. I can take it. So today, um, we are really continuing. You know, the series of education, but also I think it will be very interesting to talk to our guest today about the current environment of rates and what's going on with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, we have today on the phone with us Eric Holloman with Rate Link. Um, Eric, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, and I sure hope I have a radio-sounding voice like you two guys. Well, <laughs> I think you do, but you definitely have a, a face for radio is what I've told. I'm kidding. That's, that's, you're absolutely true. <laughs> I don't normally do that to our guests right away, but since I know you, I felt I could. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Yep. Eric is the president and founder of RateLink, and um, you know, create, prior to creating RateLink, um, he worked in the secondary market for a major national mortgage corporation. Um, and he ran the mandatory and best effort commitment desk. And what, for those out, out there who do, have no idea what that is, um, what it basically means is that he took care of the lender who he worked for. And when his their loan officers and their lenders would lock in a rate, he managed the the pool of funds that were being bought and sold through Fannie Mae and the the mortgage backed securities. So, Eric, why don't you do this for me first? Because I think that the best thing for our listeners is for you to just give us a however minute or two minute explanation of where you came from, how you got to the point where you are, and what it is that you currently do for people like Mortgage Investors Group. How about that? Sure, that's a great way to start. Uh, First of all, I want to thank you all for having me on the show. I, it's an honor. Uh, you all are celebrities, and it's nice to be rubbing shoulders with uh, the likes of you all. Well. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Uh, I got out of school in the mid-'80s, had a degree in finance with a minor in accounting and economics, spent five years as a loan officer just like you two, mm-hmm. had an opportunity to move to a bank where I could actually manage the risk that the bank takes when we do mortgages. 
You know, we offer long-term locks. When somebody buys a house, they need a little bit of time to get all the paperwork together. Well, from the time that the loan officer commits to that borrower and guarantees that interest rate until the loan closes, a lot can happen in the financial markets. So my job was to make sure that the loan that we committed to for that borrower, we were able to settle it in the future at the agreed-upon terms, and that it would be profitable to the bank. That function is called secondary marketing. I was sitting around uh, the secondary desk one day, and the market began to move a little bit, and I picked up the phone and called two of my friends and just said, it looks like interest rates are going to change this afternoon, and you might want to take care of something, uh, meaning locking the loans in, talking to your borrowers. From there, it morphed into starting rate link, and we've been doing this since 1993. Our customers are the mortgage community. It's loan officers like Kevin and Mark, and what we do is we watch the mortgage interest rates, and then we communicate with them in real time the direction that they're heading, but more importantly, the influences, what's causing the interest rates to rise or fall, and what's likely to happen in the near term. Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you, I, I, you know, our loan officers just absolutely love your service and this isn't an infomercial for rate link, but I do want to say that, you know, I just, I can remember it's been a little while since I actually originated a loan, but I remember that anxiety that I felt when I had a a client that wanted to know what the, uh, my opinion was on what was going on in the market. And so, you know, having the knowledge and the experience and the wisdom of, of people like Eric and his team at RateLink, man, that just adds that that comfort level as a loan officer to be able to, you know, sit across from your clients and be able to articulate to them why it is that you are recommending what you're recommending. Now, none of us suggest that you should float by any stretch of the imagination, but like you mentioned a moment ago, people have goals on when they want to close, how, you know, maybe building a home. There's so much that goes into it. And, you know, Mark, having somebody, an expert like Eric and his team, I think that has been a huge advantage for us. It's an advantage. Plus his product, which is rightleague.com for all the mortgage people out there Mm -hmm. or banks who Mm -hmm. want to access this and and subscribe. Uh, It gives you empowered information Mm -hmm. so you can give it back and talk intelligently to your customer and just advise them on the conditions. Like you said, you don't want to tell them to lock. You don't want to tell them to float, but you need to have a basis for information. And it's easy to understand the way uh, Eric has put this together. Yeah. And we also, Eric, to give you one last plug before we get talking yeah. about, but um, on MIGonline.com on a weekly basis, we put out the newsletter to our clients, um, to our realtor uh, referral, to our anybody who would like to know a little more information about what's going on in the market, and that can be found every Monday morning on MIGonline.com. So, Eric, let's talk about some um, things that are happening. I know that you're not a psychic, and you mentioned on your website here that you don't hire psychics, um, even if they have a degree from Harvard. I guess no. Okay. But um, there's so much going on right now. You look at the current news situation, and all you hear about is Russia and the Ukraine, and you hear about the United States, and, you know, in the in the background— you have this storm, I think, kind of brewing, if you will, on you know what is going to happen with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Can you give us kind of an overview? And we've had Senator Corker on the show. We've had lots of different people throughout the last couple of years. But tell us from your perspective, should we give them a mulligan? What should we do? 
You mean Freddie and Fanny? That's yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that we know for sure is that type of entity, the government-sponsored enterprise, is important to housing in the United States. Uh, they came about a while ago to facilitate the constant flow of money into uh, the mortgage community. A local bank doesn't have the financial wherewithal to lend to everybody in their neighborhood or their community that's looking for mortgages. So what Fatty Freddie did is they have a set of guidelines that if loans were originated under it, you can actually sell the loan to Fannie and Freddie. They give you back, they give the bank back the amount of the mortgage itself so the, the bank can continue to relend the money. That's one of the things that makes the United States so strong. Mm-hmm. What happened is in 2008, because of maybe some loosening of underwriting guidelines in the early 2000s, Fannie and Freddie, like a lot of banks, wound up with loans that weren't performing, meaning people were not making their payments. When that happens, then you go into a loss scenario. Mm-hmm. It so, doesn't take much, does it? What's that? It doesn't take much to get there either, does it? I no, mean, you let a couple of, a know, couple of things could fall. It all started with Lehman Brothers, and that's the, the, the thread that actually unwound the world. But no, it doesn't take much. Uh, and the, they came in and they saved Fannie and Freddie, which was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And at this point now, Fannie and Freddie have returned to profitability. The one thing about Fannie and Freddie is it is a political football. Mm. Yeah, and exactly. It, the the country seems to be a little bit divided now. So sometimes things that can make good fiscal sense can't make it out of the political football arena. The Fannie and Freddie are here to stay. In what form, I'm not sure. Uh, but that that idea, the entity of underwriting to a specific set of guidelines with the ability to sell the loan with at least an implied government guarantee is necessary, and everybody in Congress understands that. Well, and when we had Senator Corker on, you know, he had at that time brought forward a bill um, that he was um, trying to get people to buy into, and and you know, part of the bill did have um, not just an implied guarantee, but they were he was going to have a phase out period, and. You know, but I think that that needs to be taken off the table completely. I think that I'm on board with what you're saying. Fannie Mae, I mean, everybody that is not sitting, please sit, because guess how much profit they made in 2013? $84 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a, with a B, billion dollars. That, that is well, unbelievable. And the other thing, Eric, is that the, the money that they borrowed from the taxpayer uh, has been paid back. Absolutely. Almost, if, if not all of it. Well, and I, I think I saw, um, Eric, you follow the Fed meetings very closely, but there's some that are in disagreement that Fannie should be sending money, continuing to send money to the U.S. And I don't want to get in the weeds here, but but your feeling is similar to our feeling, which is, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, they've been profitable. You know, what is what is your gut feeling? I know you said that it'll be around and you don't know at what level or what it looks like. But, you know, if not Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, what other method is there? We've been here before. We've done this. I mean, Mark did a great historical, um, 
reference to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that you can find on the housinghour.com. The liquidity factor. Yeah. Could you put those links in our I blog will. post? Um, but what is your thoughts about that? Your, I mean, take off your hat, your rate link hat for a minute and, you know, roll up your sleeves and tell us, I mean, what's going on out there? Well, let me say this. Let me preface the, my next comment with uh, a, a brief statement on the economy. The yeah. economy is weak, but one of the things that's been leading the recovery, the anemic recovery, has been housing. Mm-hmm. When we are getting ready, or hopefully getting ready, to break out and get some increased GDP, it is not the time to start talking about getting rid of entities like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's not necessarily the time to start talking about getting rid of mortgage interest deductions and those kinds of things. I don't want to push the housing industry off of a cliff when we're just getting back to the point that uh, it seems to be moving along well. It's a huge contributor to the gross domestic product, GDP, and to jobs in this country. And we need both of those right now. Housing produces jobs and housing produces tax receipts. I mean, it's just a big part of the economy. One of the, the ideas to replace Betty and Freddie is to come up with a specific set of guidelines that the banks can write to and then uh, either hold or sell the bonds, similar to what we've got now with Fannie and Freddie, but it wouldn't necessarily be a, a large government entity, uh, a government-sponsored enterprise. The thing that you've got is when something is as big and as important as Fannie and Freddie are, quick change is always bad. So anything that uh, Congress decides to do with it, hopefully they will do it slowly and allow the market's time to adjust. Um, On the government side with FHA and and VA, uh, they have separate entities that uh, uh, insure that those loans. So, but on the conventional side, other than jumbo mortgages, we've really only got Fannie and Freddie, right. and they're the ones that allow us to do lower down payments and co-borrowers to do things that a bank wouldn't necessarily do on their own but we'll be happy to if they've got the government to back it up. Well, let's talk about so, that in the next segment because we're, we're coming up on a break. And, you know, maybe we do – let's get into the secondary market and how that all plays into companies like Mortgage Investors Group and the underwriting guidelines that you talked about. Maybe we'll unpack that a little bit more. Um, you are in the jungle here with uh, the Housing Hour. We've got a great show for the continuing next two segments. We have Eric Holloman with us with RateLink talking some interesting facts about the economy and about rates and where all this goes and where you turn to for your rate and for your loan is Mortgage Investors Group. We'll be right back after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm hosting the show today for the Housing Hour. We're very excited about it. Um, We have a great show. Then I think that this information, especially as we come closer to the springtime and, you know, everybody has that... The, the seeds of home buying planted uh, right in their hearts and they're looking to um, water those seeds. And part of that 
and part of our show uh, is we we provide water um, for the seeds in people's home buying hearts. That is so Poetic. so silly sounding, <laughs> but it is truly what what I'm trying to say. And you know the cool thing is is that we have um, people like Eric Holloman on the MIG team and other people's teams. I mean, we don't have a monopoly on rate link certainly, but um, we're so grateful to have the information that he provides in his team. Um, and I look forward to the newsletter every week. And um, he also offers conference calls with our loan officers and our branches. And um, he does a really good job. And, and I, the other nice thing I like about Eric is that, you know, he's not here to point fingers or take sides. He's trying to offer as best he can based upon the facts on the ground where things may or may not go. And he's not, you know, a, a psychic, but he does give provide information. And, and Eric, you know, um, before we go back into the secondary market, actually, Mark had a question, but one thing I do want to touch on is the fact that, you know, these these things that are popping off every day, I mean, there's constant economic news that's coming out. There's always something that affects the market. And, you know, all of the information collectively helps you decide or, or give guidance. It's not just one number or two. It's a it's the collective numbers that come out each week, correct? That's absolutely correct. And economic data comes in two flavors. That's growth and inflation. Mm -hmm. And the uh, data is the number one reason why interest rates move. It's what causes the daily volatility. And uh, Are you a computer? <laughs> that sounded funny because you, you actually cut out for a minute, but you're back. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, good. Um, it's raining here and 22 degrees, so I'm not sure how it's raining. But wow. I, but what a rough one we've had. Mm -hmm. but yes, economic data is released all month long, and it gives the market, it gives traders an indication of the economy. Is the economy expanding or is the economy contracting? The real question is inflation. Is inflation an issue or not? Right. Right. So, I'm sorry. What ahead. do you think? What do you think the answer to that question is? Right now, inflation is not an issue here or in Europe, mm -hmm. which is the reason why the Federal Reserve has been able to take such extraordinary steps mm -hmm. to accommodate interest rates. Um, we're in the, the throes of that right now with a brand-new Fed chairman, Janet Yellen. Mm -hmm. So lots of exciting things going on. Not only do we have the quantitative easing and the extraordinary Fed measures, but we've got a brand-new person at the helm. Right. Well, let me bring Mark in here. Mark, you had a question. Well, I did, but I'm going to change my question and oh. go back with what he just said because uh, the inflation rate has been really low. Since 2012, I think it's been running at, at 1.5, maybe 1.6%. The target's always been around two, from what I can remember, Eric. So what's going on? Why is why is the inflation rate so low um, and, and staying so low with all this money had been poured into uh, with the QEs, so the one, two, and three QEs? Lack of demand, really, is what drives that. One of the problems that we've got, or one of the issues that we have in the United States, and it was released in some economic data earlier this week, personal income is anemic. There are a lot of people out there looking for work. When an employer puts a job posting up, they have lots of people come to their shop looking to get hired. With that being the case, there's no upward pressure on prices. 
on mm -hmm. uh, wages. That's one of the reasons why inflation has been under control. We've got on the um, in the employment side, lack of demand is one of the reasons, or another reason why we've seen uh, inflation not hit what's called the Fed target rate. Right after the economic melees happened, deflation was actually showing up on people's radar screens. And deflation is a falling in prices. And for an economy like the United States, where two-thirds of our gross domestic product comes from consumer spending, a deflationary cycle is actually scarier than inflation because Nobody would buy anything if they thought it would be cheaper in a month or two. So the Fed has been grappling with low economic output and low inflation. But it's the low inflation that has allowed the Fed to get in here and do the extraordinary measures to keep interest rates low, which we've all seen. They did a great job at that the quantitative easing. Yeah. You know what? Let's, let's, before we talk about the secondary market and underwriting guidelines and all of that, um, let me ask you this, because um, how much, I know that they're talking about, you know, winding down and not spending as much. And what is it that the Fed is currently spending per month to buy mortgage-backed securities, approximately? 65 billion. Okay. 65 billion. So Fannie Mae's profit from 2013 could barely pay for one month of mortgage-backed purchases. Now, my question to you is, and for those out there that are listening, that has really been the biggest reason, obviously the reason why rates have stayed historically low. So we're spending that much money. The, the money is being spent to artificially, frankly, and correct me if I'm wrong, jump in there, but to keep the rates low. If that buyer wasn't at the table, the U.S. government wasn't at the table, what we would have to have happen is for other investors to step in and from the public sector. The fact is the appetite is very anemic for mortgage-backed securities for the mentioned reasons that we've already spoke about. And it all developed out of the 2008 debacle where we had all of these A paper loans that can't come to find out were like a C plus on a curve. So is that a pretty fair statement? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I the way that the bond market works is a mortgage, an interest rate, is like any other commodity. When there are lots and lots of people that want to purchase it, the price of it rises. When the price of a mortgage-backed security or a bond rises, the corresponding interest rates fall. So you're absolutely correct. When the Fed came in and started snapping up all of those bonds, it created tremendous buying interest, which pushed the prices higher and higher and higher, and interest rates fell. The reason they did that is they wanted to keep interest rates low to allow people to refinance their homes so they would have more disposable income, but more importantly, to give businesses an opportunity to borrow money so they can expand. Mm -hmm. And there's no question that that occurred. Yeah. And it was effective, like you mentioned. We'll probably never see again. Yeah. Now, my question is, is that once they phase that out, mid-2015 or whenever, I guess that's where the current suggested time frame is, um, but the Fed meets all the time, and that could change, obviously. But um, when they pull out, is there going to be somebody that's going to pull in? Well, if there isn't somebody to pull in, interest rates will rise to the point that there is the demand there. Mm. That's the unknown. 
Right. And that's that's what the worry is. That's what the fear is, because if that happens, rates go up to six and a half percent, which I'm not suggesting is going to happen. But if rates go to six and a half percent, the people out there that are looking for a home, they may have second thoughts about coming into the market. And that's what the fear is. And the fact is the housing market has really been the leader in the recovery, I think, as of late. Or maybe not leader. That may not be a, that may be too strong of a word, but certainly on you know in the front of the leaderboard, wouldn't you say? It's a big contributor, that's for sure. And absolutely, interest rates on mortgages rose about one full percentage rate following a single comment from Fed head Ben Bernanke. Not an action, but a statement comment. that he made. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yes, Fed's a big player. However, they've also done a really good job at setting the world up to let them know that they are going to continue to taper. That's the word that we hear in the news. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is it's a a reduction each month in the amount of bonds that they buy. A really big date coming up, March 18th and 19th, is the next Fed meeting. I'll be in Disney World. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good for you. That sounds like fun. It should be warm there, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's the next meeting, the 18th and 19th. Okay. That's correct. One of the really interesting things about this is Janet Yellen is a bigger dove than Ben Bernanke was. Oh, yeah. By dove, I mean a fan of easy monetary policy. Right. So she's also a school professor. Mm-hmm. She's very well guarded. She's very well thought out and guarded in her comments and actions. We had, um, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, we had a professor on air, a friend of Mark's who he went to school with at UT, um, Dr. Tony Spiva, or is it Spiva is his name, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the professors usually from universities seem to be a little bit more liberal leaning, it seems. And she certainly is. I would say that that's probably not a secret. Um, and so in your opinion, do you think that that would help the ultimate goal, which the ultimate goal, like you said off air, is to slowly do the tapering. I mean, there's nothing negative about that. And people that are scared about the prime rate going up, you really shouldn't be. People that are scared about the, the long-term interest rates um, easing up a little bit, don't let that scare you. It's not going to be, because the fact is, that means that it's, an, it's a healthy economy. And guess what? Your CD rates might go up a little too. So Exactly. We, we get into a normal economy. And you mentioned something there that's so important for people to understand. As, as the economy improves, the Fed will pull out of its accommodative stances and interest rates will rise. But that's a good thing because it's rising because of strong economic growth. Mm-hmm. At that point, your 401ks get stronger. Your house goes up in value. Everything right. you have begins to become more and more profitable. So, yes, the ultimate goal is absolutely to get the U.S. economy back on normal footing, which would be to have the Fed uh, just use their conventional policy tools and have interest rates float depending on market conditions. Let, Eric, yeah, go ahead. Um, Eric uh, you know, the other side of the, the coin is that there's been some change in the uh, guidelines and underwriting policies uh, through Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and uh, doesn't that – lend to um, making the mortgage-backed security a better product for the world to purchase? It gives them a clear view. Well, yes, it's called credit quality. And 
uh, the loans that Fannie and Freddie are producing now have a better uh, underwriting uh, turnout than what they call the legacy loans. But earlier in uh, the call, we talked about how Fannie and Freddie kind of lost their way there in the early 2000s, and loans that were being priced as A were actually C. And that was a, a big problem with that. Underwriting guidelines have tightened up some, and yes, it creates a better investment vehicle. One of the questions is, are they too tight? Is it time for them to loosen up a little bit? And if we could loosen them up and not see the credit quality diminish, that would be the ultimate goal. We've got to make sure that loan or enough of the loans always pay to make the investment solid. I think if you looked at a chart for FHA for the defaults, I think that the defaults for FHA, even for Fannie Freddie, for conforming loans has absolutely improved um, since 2008. I I might even venture to say that it's at all-time highs or lows, depending on how you look at it. So I think that um, there is a spike. If you looked at a 30-year chart, certainly 2008, it it almost was like an epidemic of sorts. Oh, you're not paying your mortgage? It was like the hip thing to do. Okay, well, we're not going to pay ours either. Oh, they're not making you leave your house? Well, guess what? I'm going to live in my New York flat for another four months and not pay a dime. So you had this happening, and it became almost like the walking dead of mortgages, if you will. And that's a great TV series, by the way, not for the faint of heart. So I think that now we're in a much more protected, healthy environment. And I think what I hear Eric saying is that, you know, don't be fearful of these Fed meetings. Don't be fearful when people say, hey, the prime rate's going to go up. Yeah, if you've got a HELOC connected to a second, it may be time to relook at your mortgage, which we can combine those for you, do a loan as a refinance, and we can help you do that so you can have all of those funds secure. Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. Kevin Ray here. We're here in the Housing Hour with Eric Holloman from RateLink, Mark Griffith, our co-host and executive producer. And we thank you guys for stepping in with us to the Housing Hour. And we do want to mention um, the company that we are very proud to be um, in support of and in partnership with, and that is Admiral Title. Admiral Title been around for eight years. They do a fantastic job at closing your loan on time every time. They'll go out of their way to make sure that your needs are met. Whether you're a realtor or a lender, give them a holler today. And that is 865-531-6060, Admiral Title. So we're back in here, and we were talking before we went to break, and we were just you know, really talking about whether or not quantitative easing is something that people should be fearful of as it begins to taper. And that's the word that they're using. That's, if you haven't heard it before, taper. That's it. So when you hear tapering, 
that's what they're talking about. And so Eric was mentioning that, you know, that is a healthy economy. And so my, my next question would be for you, Eric, is, you know, when you look at, and Mark mentioned the underwriting guidelines and you have the Dodd-Frank and you have the QM and you have, you know, the ATR, which for those at home or riding in your car, that's not a vehicle. An ATR is the ability to repay. That's the term that's used. And then the other term I used was, was um, qualified mortgage. So you have these two things that lenders like us, these are new guidelines, new things. But the thing, Eric, is that not, really the underwriting guidelines haven't necessarily even changed. It's more, hey, you really have to do this now, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and you bring up a very good point. One thing I would like to clarify, when we were talking earlier about the potential for interest rates to rise, the number six or six and a half got thrown out there. I know that was just as an example, but I got to tell you, folks, we don't see interest rates rising much over five uh, this year unless something really goes crazy, mm-hmm. inflation gets loose or something like that. But interest rates have an upward trajectory this year because the Fed wants to get out of the bond buying business. And the economy looks like it's on good, solid footing. Mm -hmm. This is the time of the year to get in front of the loan officers at Mortgage Investors Group, get pre-qualified, and go buy a house. That's right. Absolutely. Yes, underwriting guidelines have tightened up a little bit. If you've heard horror stories around the water cooler at work, don't believe them. Mm -mm. You've got people that are professional loan officers on the call today who can navigate all of that for you. Yes, there's more paperwork involved than there was in 2008, but you're going to be able to get into a house, and that's the most important thing. You get into a house today, let's have a little bit of inflation come in the market, two, two and a quarter percent, then the biggest asset that most people possess, which is their home. Next thing you know, 20 years from now, old Jed's a millionaire. Tennessee mortgage license, 109111. <laughs> Thank you. That was a nice plug for us. No, that's well, true. But you know what? The uh, the amount of paperwork and all that that you spoke to is just the same as when I got in the business back in 1985. Mm-hmm. What I see today as far as the requirements go are not any different than when I got into the business when I was 25. Does history repeat itself, Eric? Absolutely. I tell you what, I got in the business in 1986, and I tell you what, it was 28-36, 33-back ratio yeah. for Jumbo Loan, period. You got it. And that's period. not your girlfriend, Specs. They <laughs> run around the circle. When I hear people that have been in the business for 10 years lamenting how hard it is, yeah. it's like, this is no different than it was in the mid-'80s. So yeah, but and, absolutely correct. And in 1986, that was a huge, huge year because interest rates came from 12% down to nine and a half percent in the spring of 86 and we were rocking and rolling agents would tell me that hey if you can keep it at nine and a half i can sell all day long Mm. that's right and you know eric that's so true you you look at the affordability index right now and i'm not here i mean hey this is the easiest sale on earth this is the easiest sell you you don't have to sell this you pay a thousand dollars for rent you could get the same house nicer i think for the same exact amount and you're building your equity for the future. You mentioned as we go forward, home prices are going to continue to climb. And that's the cool thing about Knoxville in this area, Tennessee, all throughout Memphis, Tri-Cities, all the way into Nashville, is that we don't maybe see the you know the 10 and 12% appreciation per year like maybe some markets saw in yesteryear. But we've always been a nice, steady growth. 
And I think that's going to continue. So it's a great investment as well. Absolutely. And once you own your home, it's a hedge against that inflation that you and I spoke about. Mm-hmm. You get a 30-year fixed rate uh, loan and you buy a property uh, as interest rates continue to rise or inflation eats up the uh, purchasing power of money, your rate's locked in. Mm-hmm. And on home affordability, the National Association of Realtors has been talking for years about what a great time it is to buy a house. Yeah. With low mortgage rates and with reasonably priced housing, people are able to get into houses that were just a pipe dream yeah. five and ten years ago. Even Dave Ramsey himself says it's time to buy. Uh, don't quote me on that, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Um, but anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, because what you did in your past is that you worked on the secondary desk, I guess. You were the head of this um, national mortgage lender. And let me ask you this, because, you know, we have a situation at Mortgage Investors Group where we have the benefit of either selling directly to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We also, of course... Um, have investors, so we have specific types of loans, but we have a really good situation at Mortgage Investors Group, but far better than most, and we're grateful for that, and we're grateful for the 25 years of business that we've been in, that we have the ability to do those type of things because it helps to get the um, loan down the line and through processing and underwriting and closing a lot quicker, and that's what's good for you, your realtor, and your buyers, sellers, whoever. But let me ask you a question because as we continue down the path of you know, seeing what happens with Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. You know, a lot of uh, lenders out there, although Fannie and Freddie may allow certain things, what do you think the environment is? And this may not be your expertise, but I think you can speak to it. What do you think the overlay environment's going to be for some of these big shops, the Wells Fargo's, the Chase's, or the, the people who are buying currently? What do you think that that's going to happen? Because you might find that Fannie and Freddie might allow it, but by golly, if you're going to sell it to XYZ Bank, they're not going to allow it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's one of the things. I've had the opportunity to speak to some of the senior people at your organization, and you're correct. You're very well put together in the fact that you've got your correspondent channels, but you've also got the ability to go straight to Fannie and Freddie. Mm-hmm. So you have, the, well, not you all, but people that come to you all to get mortgages and the real estate agents that count on you to get loans done. They need to understand that when they sit down in front of mortgage investors group, loan officers, that you're sitting there in front of somebody who has multiple avenues and multiple channels Mm -hmm. to sell that loan. Where some shops might look at it and say, yeah, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. You all can say, well, we can talk to a correspondent lender, or Mm -hmm. maybe we'll sell this one directly to one of the agencies like Fannie or Freddie. So what do you think going forward, you know, because, you know, some people don't understand it. Like, for instance, you know, VA, for instance, I know that we're not talking about VA, but VA, they say, well, hey, you know, this is what we require. You know, we don't require that they do this or that. But then a, a, the lender might say, well, that is what we require. That may not be what VA requires. Or, you know, looking at Fred, Freddie and Fannie, you know, if you go down through the Freddie and Fannie guidelines you know, or you look at DU. I mean, we go off of DU, but there are, I mean, certainly certain situations where we want to hold closer to the vest, make sure that we're protected. Um, what do you think the environment's going to go? That's where I think that the guidelines are fine. It's the overlays is what I'm worried about because Freddie and Fannie may say, hey, that's fine. You can do this. But then your lender says, no, you can't. I don't care if Freddie or Fannie. I mean, Freddie and Fannie don't lend money to the public directly. 
Nope, they're the insurance policy right. is one way to look at that. They're the ones that are going to – they pull them together and then provide the payout in case that there's a problem between that and the uh, – uh, the taxpayer, <laughs> frankly. I mean, we're, don't, we're... Don't say that. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The, I tell you, a lot of times what we have seen on this end, when the uh, product, when the loan itself is acceptable to one of the agencies, like Fannie or Freddie, but a bank won't touch it, it's because they've had a bad experience with Fannie and Freddie in that arena before, mm. and they're just playing it really careful. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, I yeah, think, yeah. I, I believe that, and it's, it's like we said earlier, the underwriting guidelines are fine. Some people, some shops out there, some entities, are playing it really, really conservative until we see how all those acronyms that we talked about, ATR and QM, play mm-hmm. out. I think over time, we're going to see the underwriting guidelines be, let's call them a little bit looser than we are right now. Uh, not going back to the fog, the glass, and get a mortgage scenario, mm-hmm. but a situation where Fannie and Freddie will buy it, and then some of the other entities might do it as well. But that's one of the advantages to MIG, mm-hmm. is you all have multiple channels right. on what you can do with your product. Well, hey, and, and Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the, the fog and glass, uh, referencing uh, to um, relaxed underwriting guidelines back in you know pre-2008, through the subprime, um, what a, what? Let's talk a little bit about that. Do you see some of the subprime non-QM type of mortgages coming back into play as time goes on? Oh, absolutely. There's a good product, I mean, a good market for that. One of the things about subprime or hard money lending, if you want to call it that, it was all loan to value driven until the heyday of the 2000s, and then the required down payment began to get lower and lower. I'll never forget, I got a rate sheet one time. This was at the very end of the the hoopla. It was a non-owner-occupied, 100% (laughs) LTV, 580 credit score. Oh, man. Unbelievable. I looked at this from a BC shop and said, this is a sign that we've gone too far. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The, yeah. there's, there's, all mortgage products have value, and, and it's about need. Hard money lending, it's usually uh, equity-driven. You've got to put down 20 30 40% to get the mortgage. Jumbos and super jumbos, always a, uh, a market for those kinds of things. So, yes, subprime's on its way back. Well, and no I, question at all about that. I think that that's one worry that I think lenders say is, hey, you know, um, <clears throat> we'll do these loans. But the problem that I think they're finding is that, you know, if, if they've had a bad experience, like you mentioned, with in that particular arena, maybe that is a person who hasn't been on their job but for X amount of time, but Fannie allows it, or whatever. I mean, the compensating factors may be strong, but may, basically the lender understands that, you know what, if this thing goes south and they are not able to repay the loan, then guess what? They're going to examine the everything that happened with that loan with a microscope, and that's the ability to repay. 
So if you didn't disclose within three days, if you didn't count the correct income to an actual dollar specific penny, then you're potentially liable for why those people did not repay their loan. That's a problem, and that's why lenders, the tightening, it's more, hey, we're going to follow the rules now. We've always followed the rules. We've never strayed, and that's why we've been around for 25 years. We only have about a minute left, Eric, but why don't you give me some closing remarks, if you will, um, on kind of what you think that the next year is going to bring us. I think the next year is going to bring us stronger economic growth with lower inflation, and I hope, I hope, that we get America back to work. That's Janet Yellen's number one goal, is to get America back to work. Before I part, I want to expand on one comment we made earlier. Being in the mortgage business for 25 years is no small feat. It shows what a quality organization you all are with the ability to hang in there through all the market cycles that we have seen in the last 25 years. Yeah. And it's just a pleasure to be involved with people like you all. Well, we certainly appreciate your expertise. We definitely appreciate you mentioning that. And um, Eric Hallman, we want to thank you for coming in. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for our, our avid listeners that go onto our site every week and share our um, our station, our, our kind of comments in our show. It's very important to us. We want to keep giving back. That's what makes this show, and that's why we do this. And we want you guys to, um, you know, give us feedback, provide with us, interact with us, and we'll definitely take care of any need or any question that you have. You can find us at thehousinghour.com. This show is proudly presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. See you next time on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.